the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. They're not really concerned about the law of Moses and enforcing the law of Moses or keeping the law of Moses. They're not really concerned about the morality of the people. It's all a trap. It's all a setup. They're they're trying to paint Jesus into a corner with this question, and they believe that this question leaves Jesus no wiggle room out of it. There's no good answer that he can give to get out of this. The problem is you can't really paint Jesus into a corner. The story we'll encounter in today's passage offers a beautiful glimpse of Jesus' heart for sinners, as well as a wake-up call to anyone who's looking to their good works or religion for salvation. As Pastor Dan will point out, all of us are guilty of sin. This was the realization that the men who sought to stone the adulterous woman were confronted with. Their sin may have looked different, or it may have only happened in their hearts, but they were guilty nonetheless, and it was not their place to carry out judgment. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of John chapter 8 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. beginning in chapter 8, verse 1, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now early in the morning, he came again into the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. And then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery, and when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, teacher, This woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? This they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. So when they continued asking him, he, he, ra- he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground, and then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? 
And she said, no one, Lord. And she calls him Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Isn't this just such a great passage? Just to, just to read through it. You really see Jesus' heart toward sinners. Uh, and in contrast to Jesus, you also see the heart of the religious people towards sinners. <clears throat> now, before we, we get into the text here, I, I want to I address a, a question you may have. Maybe in your Bible you have a little note by these verses uh, that says something like, uh, these verses do not appear in some manuscripts. Uh, and that kind of implies or gives the impression that maybe they're not supposed to be here uh, in your Bible. Uh, in, my, in my opinion, it doesn't, it doesn't mean anything that it, these don't appear in some manuscripts. This passage doesn't appear. Um, it doesn't really make a difference. I, I believe that this story is part of the inspired word of God and it belongs here in the Gospel of John. And I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but I just want to give you two reasons why uh, I believe that this, this passage, verses 1 to 11, are supposed to be here in the Gospel of John, chapter 8. Uh, first of all, the first reason would be, if you remove these verses, if you remove verse 53 down to verse 11 of chapter 8, and you go straight from chapter 7, verse 52, to chapter 8, verse 12, the passage doesn't make sense. Uh, back in chapter 7, uh, verse 52, you have the chief priests and the Pharisees having a private conversation. If you jump to chapter, chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus is addressing the Pharisees and the chief priests. So how did, how did, if they're having a private conversation, how did Jesus end up addressing them without verses 1 to 11? You have to have verses 1 to 11 for it to make sense. Uh, the second thing, there's a pattern in the Gospel of John that maybe you've picked up on, maybe you haven't. Uh, the pattern in the Gospel of John is an incident takes place followed by a sermon. An incident takes place followed by a sermon. For example, in chapter 5, Jesus heals the paralyzed man at the pool of Bethesda. That's the incident. Then he preaches a sermon. Uh, in chapter 6, Jesus feeds the multitude. That's the incident. Then he preaches a sermon saying he's the bread of life. Chapter 7, you see the same pattern. An incident followed by a sermon. If you take this story out of chapter 8, you have a sermon with no incident. It breaks the pattern uh, in the Gospel of John. So again, I, I believe this passage belongs in the text, that it's part of the inspired Word of God. Uh, if you want to, you can read dozens and dozens of books uh, on both sides of this argument, but I, I don't see the point. Uh, so let's just get into the text. The context, remember, is the Feast of Tabernacles in Jerusalem. On the previous day, the day before, Jesus made this incredible invitation to everyone that was gathered in the temple. Uh, back in chapter 7, verse 37, Jesus declared, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. 
And he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Verse 39, we're told that he was speaking of the Holy Spirit. So he gives this this invitation to come and drink of him and he will give living waters. He's the fountain of living waters. Uh, In the Old Testament, the Lord God Jehovah is the fountain of living waters. Here, Jesus is saying the living water comes from me. And he invites everyone to come and drink from him. And so this this creates this debate, this discussion among the crowd of, you know, is Jesus the Christ? Is he a prophet? What's the deal here? Uh, And we come to the end of chapter 7. And chapter 7 ends with everyone leaving. And it says they all went, everyone went to his own house. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Everyone had a house to go to. Everyone had a home, but Jesus. Jesus went out to the Mount of Olives. And this reminds us of the humility of Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus is the eternal son of God who came down from heaven to the earth. He became a man. He's God incarnate. But his home is not in this world. His home was in heaven. He didn't have a home. In this world, you know, the Bible tells us that Jesus humbled himself and he made himself of no reputation and became a man. Uh, in, in Matthew's gospel, chapter eight, uh, there is an occasion uh, where a, a person comes up to Jesus and says, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. I don't have a home in this world, he says. The Bible tells us that though he were rich for our sakes, he became poor so that we might be made rich. And he became a man and he dwelt on this earth and he didn't have a home. Everyone went to their house. Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, uh, probably to Gethsemane and spent the night there. Uh, now, the Mount of Olives, it's, it sits uh, just east of the old city of Jerusalem, you you leave the old city of Jerusalem, you go down into the Kidron Valley, and then you begin to ascend up the Mount of Olives. And the Mount of Olives uh, is a very special place in the life and ministry of Jesus. Uh, when you go to Israel, uh, it's, it's, it's always a special time on the Mount of Olives. Uh, it's a special place in the life of Jesus because as we see here in chapter 8, uh, Jesus stayed on the Mount of Olives uh, during the different feasts. Quite often he spent the night uh, or spent the nights on the Mount of Olives somewhere. doesn't say where, but again, probably Gethsemane. Uh, he taught on the Mount of Olives. Uh, there is a, a sermon he gave called the Olivet Discourse. In Matthew 24, it's one of his longest sermons that he gave. He prayed on the Mount of Olives in Gethsemane. Jesus was betrayed on the Mount of Olives by Judas. Jesus ascended back to heaven from the Mount of Olives. And the Bible tells us that one day Jesus Christ will come back and he will stand on the Mount of Olives, Zechariah 14. Uh, So it's a very, very important place in the ministry of Jesus. And again, it goes on now, and it says in verse 2, 
Now, early in the morning, so the next day, he came again into the temple and all the people came to him and he sat down and taught them. And so I I love this verse. Those who showed up early in the morning at the temple that particular day, they had the blessing of hearing Jesus teach. And let me encourage you to give your mornings to God. Give your mornings to God. Begin each day with the Lord Jesus Christ. In his word, in prayer, just sitting before him, even if you only have a few minutes before you have to go to work or school or whatever, just give him the morning. Start your day with with Jesus. I promise you, you will be glad that you did. Starting your day with Jesus will help you navigate whatever that day might throw your way and help you get through the day with the challenges that you might face. In the Proverbs, chapter 8, verse 17, God promises, they that seek me early will find me. You're listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City, Maryland. We'll return to the second half of today's message in a moment. But first, here's a word from Pastor Dan. It's my privilege to share the Word of God with you through our radio ministry, Ring of Truth. Thank you for tuning in each day. Hey, I would love to hear from you. Will you take a moment to email me to tell me how these daily studies have ministered to you? I want to hear your story. You can email me through our website at calvaryec.com. That's calvaryec.com. Thanks, Pastor Dan. Now let's join him again for the conclusion of today's edition of Ring of Truth. So Jesus, he went to the temple early in the morning and there were people there at the temple at that hour and we're told that all the people came to him and Jesus sat down and he taught them. Now, Rabbi sat to teach and so he sat down to teach them. And when it says that the people came to him, uh, the phrase is in the present tense, speaking of a continual action, meaning as Jesus taught just more and more people gathered around. The crowd just kept growing and getting larger and larger. Uh, If you look down in verse 20, if you look down in verse 20, we're told that this took place in the treasury in the temple, which was in the court of the women. Uh, So, you know, they're going to bring a woman uh, to him, and he is in the court of women in the area known as the treasury. So you have this, this crowd that's growing as he's just sitting there teaching more and more people gathering around. Verse 3 says, Then the scribes and the Pharisees, so these are the religious leaders, they brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And we know what adultery is, right? Everybody knows what that is. So you have a married person who's getting sexually involved with someone other than their spouse. Or it's a person who gets involved with a married person. That's also considered adultery. So they bring this woman who was caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, so they put her and stand her in the middle of this crowd as Jesus is teaching. And they said to him, teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. I'm not sure how you do that. 
how you catch him in the very act. I don't want to know. Now, Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stone. But what do you say? And then verse six tells us they said this testing him. That they might have something of which to accuse him. So that Jesus is there. Picture this in your mind. He's there sitting in the temple courts uh, along the sides, the, the, the border of the court of women. They had these, uh, these covered areas with pillars, this colonnade. He's probably sitting up under there. This crowd is gathering more and more people. Uh, the men who are going to the temple, they have to pass through the court of the women to get to the court of Israel. So, in, you know, this is all the traffic's going through the court of the women. And as people are coming into that court, for whatever reason, morning prayer, to make an offering, uh, they're, they're drawn over by this crowd, as you would be. If you saw a crowd, you'd go see what's going on. They go over, and now this crowd is getting larger and larger, and the, the scribes and the Pharisees, these religious leaders, they come in while Jesus is teaching. He's in the middle of a sermon, uh, and they interrupt his teaching by dragging this woman who they caught committing adultery in the very act, and they bring her, and they just interrupt the teaching, and they stand her in the midst of the crowd that is listening to Jesus. And if you can imagine, since they caught her in the very act of adultery, uh, she's probably barely clothed. Maybe she's got a robe on. And they stand her there in the middle of this crowd, and they say, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stone, but what do you say? And verse 6 tells us it's all a setup. They're not really concerned about this woman. They're not really concerned about the law of Moses and enforcing the law of Moses or keeping the law of Moses. They're not really concerned about the morality of the people. It's all a trap. It's all a setup. They're, they're trying to paint Jesus into a corner with this question and they believe that this question leaves Jesus no wiggle room out of it. There's no good answer that he can give to get out of this. Problem is, you can't really paint Jesus into a corner. <laughs> it just doesn't, it doesn't work. They try, but it doesn't work. And, and this is the trap, just so you understand. This is the trap that they thought they caught Jesus in with this woman and this question about adultery and the law of Moses. If Jesus says the woman should not be stoned for her adultery, the religious leaders could accuse Jesus of not keeping the law of Moses, and therefore he's not the Messiah, because the Messiah will keep the law of Moses, and, he, and he's got this big crowd there. He's going to deny the law of Moses in front of this crowd, and he's going to lose the Jewish crowd. They're no longer going to follow him. They're no longer going to listen to him. But if he says, stone her, put her to death, he will violate Roman law because the Romans revoked the right of the Jewish people to execute people. They no longer had the right to stone people. And so if he says she should be put to death, she should be stoned. Well, then these religious leaders can go to the Roman authorities and say, Jesus is in the temple telling the crowd to stone someone. And Jesus will be in trouble with the Romans. 
So again, they think there's no good answer for him. Either, either he will break Jewish law or he will break Roman law. But he, there's, no, there's no good answer he can give to get out of this. Now, there's, just, there's a couple problems here with this whole uh, setup that I want to point out to you. Uh, first of all, historically, at this time in Israel, uh, adultery was, a, was pretty common. In fact, it was so common that by this point in Israel, the religious leaders no longer enforced the law concerning those who commit adultery. Because it had just become so common in the culture. So they just stopped enforcing uh, this law. You see similar things happening in our culture today with drug laws, for example. Uh, we're, just, we're not going to enforce it anymore because so many people are doing it. Well, the religious leaders, they were no longer enforcing this law concerning adultery and putting adulterers to death uh, for their adultery. Uh, not, not because, and I want you to understand this, it's not because the law of God changed. The morality of the culture had declined to the point that they just didn't enforce it anymore. God's law didn't change because God doesn't change. The morality changed. Again, in our culture, sometimes you hear people saying, well, shouldn't the word of God change with the culture? The culture's so different. No, God doesn't change. The word of God doesn't change. The culture changes, but the word of God doesn't change. So the, the religious leaders here now, they're coming to Jesus and presenting this question to Jesus about stoning someone who's caught in adultery when they themselves no longer observe this law. They no longer enforce this law. This is, this is a hypocritical question that they're bringing up with Jesus. Second thing, the law of Moses in both Leviticus 20 and Deuteronomy 22 says that both the man and the woman who were involved in the adultery shall be put to death. The command is that both of those that commit the adultery, both parties that are involved, shall be stoned to death, shall be put to death. The scribes and the Pharisees brought the woman. But where's the dude? Right? They caught her in the very act, which means they caught the guy too, but they don't bring him. They let him go. And so so they, they break the law by just bringing the woman. And so again, this, this whole thing is just a setup. And, and just imagine this. They bring this woman, you know, they drag her in, barely clothed. They stand her in the midst of this crowd, humiliating her, shaming her publicly. They say Moses and the law commands that she should be stoned to death. And how cold-hearted were these religious leaders to do this to someone? I mean, they have, they have no concern for this woman, no compassion for this woman, no, no respect for her. Just, just, this, just this coldness and this harshness in their attitude toward her. And I think that this, this raises a question that we should each ask our, ourselves, and that is this. What is my attitude toward other sinners? He asked me how I know, and I say, bring truer than the finest crystal. 
The book of 1 John invites followers of Jesus into a consistently growing relationship with our Heavenly Father. The Christian walk isn't meant to stagnate, no matter how long you've been pursuing your relationship. There's always more to discover about your Almighty Creator, and more ways in which He can refine your heart. As you've done already today by joining Pastor Dan for Ring of Truth, we encourage you to continue spending time in the Word regularly. We also urge you to make conversation with God a regular part of your routine as well, praying and listening to what your Heavenly Father wants to say to you. And know that here at Ring of Truth, we're also praying for you. We're so glad you joined us today, and we'd like to invite you to visit us here at Calvary Chapel. If you live in the Baltimore, Washington area, come worship with us this Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. Calvary Chapel is located in Columbia, Maryland, only minutes from Route 95, Route 29, or Route 100. For more information on what you can expect when you visit, go to calvaryec.com. Or give us a call. We can be reached at 410-491-4592. That's 410-491-4592. That's all for today. Join us next time for more right here on Ring of Truth.